0: Hi, I'm Matt Waller, Dean of the Sam M. Malton College of Business. Welcome to Be Epic, the podcast where we explore excellence, professionalism, innovation, and collegiality, and what those values mean in business, education, and your life today. I have with me today Tom Verdery. Tom has tremendous leadership experience. He was at Procter & Gamble for 34 years and he retired in 2009, and he just did a executive education program for us that was extremely successful. I've known you for for quite a few years. I don't remember what year we met, but I was always intrigued by what Procter & Gamble was doing historically. And I remember being at Penn State as a doctoral student and reading about Walmart, and Procter and & Gamble sharing data and collaborating on category management and replenishment and inventory management and all kinds of things. And so when I took the job here in 94, I immediately wanted to talk to people at the P&G team as well. And they were all very accommodating. And I remember at the time, the team leader was Tom Muccio. Tom Muccio, right. I had breakfast with him at Village Inn, I believe it was. You know, the things that were going on between Procter & Gamble and Walmart at the time were really industry changing. They weren't just experiments. People that were involved in it, both at at Walmart and at P&G, sometimes they don't realize how big of an impact that's had on industry because later... Some of the things that were done between Walmart and Procter & Gamble back in the 90s eventually diffused into other industries and are still being used. Tell, tell us just a little bit about what your role was on the team. I, st- I started
1: on the team at the very beginning. And you're right, Tom Muccio was certainly one of the leaders and architects of the first multifunctional customer team with Walmart. I would say Sam Walton had a lot to do with that. Uh, model to start with. He it was really his idea, along with with uh, several people at Procter and Gamble, saying that this is really something that uh, we want to try. Sam really believed that this was a good idea that never been done before. So it was. This was 1988, and, uh, and they and and Tom asked me to join the team in a role. Where were you living? I in, was though? living in Dallas, and I was proceeding in my normal career track at Procter and Gamble and I was in a, a role called a district manager role in sales and Tom said we'd like, we'd like to offer you a different track, a different idea. And I was really honestly very intrigued by it because at, you know it's, it seems like no big deal now, but at the time it was totally new idea. No one ever thought about everyone moving to the headquarter location. Of a, of a major retailer and bringing multifunctional resources in together and then to work directly with a customer like Walmart. And so I was literally one of the, there was probably a, a half a dozen of us, that our role was to be in somewhat of a sales marketing blended role, working in a certain categories to work with Walmart.
0: When you were going through it, were you aware that, There were huge innovations going on that would change industries? Well, we knew there was innovation. I'm not sure we knew it would change industries.
1: We had certainly no idea that this model, for example, of a multifunctional team, would not only be the model that Procter & Gamble would then take worldwide as their customer-based model for other retailers, other companies that, that Procter & Gamble works with, but we also didn't realize that all of our competitors did the same thing. So not only did P&G follow that, but all of our competitors did it at Walmart and every other major retailer around the world. And so you'll see this concept if you go to Minneapolis on Target or Cincinnati with Kroger or overseas with uh, retailers in, in Europe or in South America. I've been there, worked with them and seen, seen all of that work so no did i have any idea this would capture and become a trend i had no idea i knew it was innovative i knew we were trying to do very different things that were very hard to do at first and i was very excited about that but the thought that this would be something that would that would catch on and everyone <clears throat> would would move to had no idea
0: and you all had some really special people on your team early on but then all of you have done amazing things either within Procter & Gamble or even other companies. You know, majority of that
1: original group and the ones that were there in the very early years that saw all of that innovation, thought differently, and watched this experience, not all, but most of us have gone on, have gotten promoted inside of Procter & Gamble or outside of Procter & Gamble, and gone on to have very exciting, unique careers. And I'm sure part of that had to do with, you know, the complete, you know, breakthrough thinking and all the conceptual ideas that came about that really ha- had us thinking differently. Not only did I think differently after that, but I-, I know I led differently. Tom, when you first got the team,
0: what year was that again?
1: Well, I started on the team in 88. 88. I moved to Northwest Arkansas in
0: 89. <laughs> Things have changed a lot since then. <laughs> sure have. Uh,
1: so did you meet Sam Walton? I've traveled with Sam Walton had lunches at his home with his family, visited with him on multiple occasions, and he was an amazing, amazing man.
0: So what was it like to be around someone like him?
1: If you just traveled with him or you visited with him in his own unique kind of down-home way, you'd walk away going, wow, this guy really was visionary. This is a story that, that I learned from, not directly from him, but through really one of his mentees for many years, Don Soderquist. And this story is classic Sam Walton, and it, it had to do with Don and Sam visiting a new Walmart store in Tennessee. And it was a store that it just was a grand opening, and they were they were obviously there for the grand opening. It was a, a lot of people were there, very exciting. And afterwards, Sam said, you know, Don, why don't we go look at some competition? Let's go look at some other stores in the area and see what's going on. So that was very typical of, of Sam. You would always want to know what's going on with competition. So they went to a store. And um, when they went at the store, Don went, which was typical Sam, and I'd been with Sam on store visits. He always did this. He had his little yellow pad, and he'd say, you know, Tom, I'm going to go to the right, you go to the left, and I'll meet you at the end of it. Because he really didn't like to walk around a store with four or five people together in a group. So Don goes to the left and Sam goes to the right and they visit the store and as Don tells it, it was the dirtiest, nastiest store he'd ever been in. There was pallets of merchandise on the floor, dust on product. They, he'd walk to the front where the check lines were and only one checker was working and there was like 10 people deep waiting in the, in the queue to check out. So there was no good customer service. Dirty store, out of stocks everywhere, pallets of merchandise on the floor. It was hard to shop. So Don is Don is writing all these notes of all the things that were wrong with the store. And you know he comes back out and he sees Sam in the parking lot and Sam's sitting there looking at his notes. Sam says to to Don, you know, what'd you see in the store? He said, oh, there's no competition here. This store is absolutely a disaster our new store will crush the store and it was dirty and it, you know out of stocks and and Sam stopped him and said said Don did you see the pantyhose rack <laughs> and and Don said uh, no Mr. Sam I didn't see the pantyhose rack well it was a quite unusual rack as a matter of fact I I looked at it and it's better than any any rack that we have in our stores as a matter of fact, I actually looked in the back and found the manufacturer name and and model number of it, and I have it right here. When we go back, I want to order these pantyhose racks for all our stores. He said, uh, "And Don, did you see that ethnic cosmetics department they had in that store?" And uh, Don said, uh, "No, Mr. Sam." I- Maybe it was on the same aisle as the as the pantyhose rack. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. You know, the interesting thing about it was, Sam said, you know, they had 12-foot dedicated ethnic cosmetics. Clearly in a store located where it needed to have that. Our store is right down the street. We need it too. We have less than four feet. We're going to go back and we're going to tell the buyer that they need to look at getting the right kind of products for the consumers in the right markets and this is one we need to get expanded so they walked away and sam never said anything bad about the store he wasn't looking for what was bad he was looking at what was good that he could then share and learn from and help even though this was a store that clearly everyone knew wasn't as competitive as his he really looked at it very differently, and. The best example I can give you of how he thought about us was a comment he made to Tom Muccio. I'll never forget Tom telling me this story. He said, Tom, if you would think of me differently, if if Procter & Gamble would think of me, me meaning Walmart, as an extension of your own company, then you would treat us very differently. You would think of us very differently. You would work with us very differently. What he was really saying in his own, in his kind of that that comment was we have the same customer, the same person coming into the store. The, the Walmart shopper is the same customer that Walmart desperately needs. And it's the same customer that PNG desperately needs same person. And if we could find a way to win there and quit worrying about everybody else and focus all of our energy there, this would be a very different relationship. Well, when Tom told me that story, it just captured my imagination. So, Like, in those days, no one thought like that. Everyone in, was very internally focused. And when I mean that, when I mean everyone, I mean retailers and manufacturers. Retailers would never share their information. Certainly, manufacturers were not going to offer all the things that they had available at the time to find the best ways and most efficient ways to deliver goods because no one really said it it was let me give it to you this analogy it's like if we were playing cards if we were playing poker and you had your cards and I had mine and we're looking you couldn't see mine I couldn't see yours and we're trying to work together Sam was saying let's lay the cards down on the table let's look at them together I bet if we look at them together, we'll have one really good hand. That was how I thought. That's exactly how I thought about the way he talked with us.
0: So, the first time you went through a store with him, did he ask you to go?
1: First time was actually in Florida, and he didn't ask me. I ran into him in a uh, discount drugstore when they first were coming out in the marketplace. And I ran into, him. we were both in a store, and so we visited the store together. We were did not travel together on this. Were
0: you there just coincidentally? I
1: was. I actually worked for Procter and Gamble in Florida at the time, so I was working in the market. Ran into him, so we. So vid- was this before
0: 1988? This was
1: before eighty eight. Oh my God! This is before eighty eight. That was the first time I met him. Um, did
0: you know who it was?
1: I, I mean, he said he was Sam Walton. He was a Walmart. That's. I don't even think Walmart in those days was even a top twenty customer of PNG. So we we walked the store together and he was fascinated by the the travel trial size department. He was fascinated by that. Because nobody had a travel trial size department back then. He was just thought that was really a neat idea, they did that and he thought it was very creative and there weren't a lot of brands that had small sizes back then. Matter of fact, one of my first projects that I worked on when I joined the team under Tom Muccio was to try to convince Procter and Gamble to come out with a travel trial size department the buyer the health and beauty buyer was interested in doing this there were there was no travel trial size anywhere and i thought to myself if we could if we could come out with travel trial size we could be the first to own that business with with walmart
0: And at that point, even by 89, Kmart was still bigger than Walmart. Much bigger. And travel size was
1: an idea that nobody had really. But we weren't willing to package them and put UPC codes on them and sell them. And uh, so I failed. That idea failed. Uh, Six months later, I finally went to Tom Ucchio and said, Can't make that happen. I've tried. Every general manager, every brand manager I've worked, worked with is basically close the door on me. It's not a good idea. So six months later, an annual event, Tom Muccio sent me a, a letter and said, I just wanted you to know that everybody's getting all these awards for things they did, and I'm going to give you an award for something you failed at. He says, because you tried to do something that I knew was the right thing to do, but we just it was at the wrong time. And I'll I'll never forget that because of all the awards and accolades I've got in my 35-year career with PNG, that's the one I remember the most.
0: Well, you know, so after I moved here in '94, I had breakfast with Tom Lucio. He was so forward-thinking, and I left that meeting enthusiastic and encouraged. And I realized there's so much I can do beyond being a great professor. And I thought, how fortunate am I to be able to do this? Yeah. And we were talking about this concept. Walmart's got a lot of information about what they're going to be doing in the future. Procter & Gamble has lots of information about the products that they're selling and the categories they're selling into. And the idea was, could we combine these knowledge sets to come up with a better forecast, a better replenishment plan And Walmart? But now... People are using it in other industries, and they don't even know it came from Procter and Gamble and Walmart. We had
1: this idea in our plants where we were using these blue CHEP pallets to do inter, you know, inter plant logistics for us. The CHEP folks were there, but they weren't really doing much outside of working with Walmart in their distribute between their distribution centers, or working with P&G between their their logistics, there was never, well, why don't we do CHEP supplier to retailer? That was not an idea. That came from the Don Bechtel and Robert Bruce and all those people saying, you know what? Got to be a way we can streamline this. Oh, my goodness. And
0: I didn't know. I've not heard that. No.
1: And, and, you know, at the time, Walmart was spending an enormous amount of money. Then someone said, well, wait a second. There's got to be a better way. It must be the whole supply chain from the time you make it to the time we sell it. There's gotta be and that was the that was the impetus.
0: It it shows you how ideas are so important. In some ways, it's a simple idea, but the nuances and subtleties associated with it and the implications, of course, are profound. It, it also shows the
1: to me that it's amazing what the human spirit can deliver. And and I really believe that a lot of that innovation came because of the uniqueness of that, and I think the magic in there was that we had this window of opportunity, where we could really do things differently, and they kept all the people off us that were trying to stop us from trying to do innovative ideas. I, I really think that was a catalyst. Then taking creative intelligent, bright people in both organizations to say, okay, let's just, we're just going to try this. There's going to be four or five things I'm going to try, and boy, the one that hits is going to be amazing. But all of my peers saw that, and they were like, okay, what, what can I do? What kind of ideas can
0: I think out of the box on? And that brought a lot of ideas. Someone could hear this podcast and think, well, that was a long time ago. Right. This was a special period of time, but it can keep happening, and for any students or, or alumni listening to this, it can happen again, and it can happen in the same companies it happened with in the past. Absolutely.